In the latest episode of Undisciplined, a podcast co-created by the University of Arkansas Department of African and African American Studies and KUAF, host Dr. Karee Banton talks with Dr. Jacqueline Wersma-Mosley, a U of A professor whose area of expertise is in cultural competency. As Wersma-Mosley puts it, cultural competency is about learning how to better relate to people who are both similar and different from you. Here's an excerpt with our host, Dr. Karee Banton. How do we measure cultural competence? Like, do I get like a <laughs> hundred? Do I get an automatic A? Because <laughs> you identify as a black woman? Yes. <laughs> Um, You know, surprisingly, there are no demographic differences in cultural competency. So racial ethnic groups, people of color don't score higher than white people. Age isn't even a factor. Gender, like that's the surprising thing when I tell people that because it's all about individuals' determination to want to learn. So it's really education and up to an individual. And there's just so many different reasons why we might fall in terms of a inside of a different category of cultural competence. So it kind of helps to think about the intercultural development inventory. So it's probably the best valid, reliable assessment out there. I've looked at lots of different ones. And, you know, people take a 50-item assessment, and it scores them on this spectrum of really a mono-ethnic mindset to a intercultural mindset. So when people take this assessment, they find out whether they're in one of five categories, denial, polarization, minimization, acceptance, or adaptation. So denial is the first one, and it's only 2% of people. And it, it sounds like what it is. They deny that there are people out there that are different from them, right? So imagine a young student at the University of Arkansas coming from a very homogenous rural community with 200 people who look like them, act like them, believe the same things like them. They just may not be aware of difference. They're completely in denial. The, the thing to know, though, it's really easy to move them out of denial because you just start exposing them to differences. So they come to the University of Arkansas and they might see some diversity in terms of people of color, gender, sexual orientation, religious, any of those. So I hear a lot when people say denial is the backbone of racism. And I always say, I, I don't agree. I think it's the colorblindness minimization. Right. So denial isn't very many people. Most people know racism exists. Mm-hmm. So denial is just very few people. I think it is young people who are just completely unaware. So then they move into polarization, which is a fascinating group. It's about 16% of people. And it, it's very an us versus them mindset. So they judge people who are different from them, which is a kind of a natural tendency. You're moving out of similarities. Now you're focusing on differences, but you're judging in because you're not sure. You know, people say like, well, I don't like the, the way that those people do those things. That's not my culture. It's not my upbringing, right? So they start to judge them. So people fall into either defense where they're defensive of their own way. They feel like their values are the better one because that's all they know, right? But more people are in reversal. And reversal is when people value others' cultures over their own, which is very confusing, right? So for a lot of our students who who identify as white, Caucasian, European descent, I call that white guilt. Mm -hmm. So we all know that phrase where they are really struggling with their own identity. So people in reversal are usually ashamed of their own identities. They're embarrassed. So for a lot of our students in my classes who are who are 
the entire class is about racism, oppression, the history of slavery um, in the United States. There's a lot of um, icky feelings, you know, coming up with them. And so they will be in reversal if they're really struggling. I see a lot of performative allies as well, mm. where they're like, hey, I'm, I'm all about Black Lives Matter, but I'm going to throw it into people's faces if they don't agree with me because they're in polarization. They're that us versus them. So they're very, again, in some ways, um, defensive. So the big thing that I notice with folks in reversal is they don't have a strong identity. So that's step one in developing cultural competence. They need to learn who they are and their role. And I'll come back to that later. So then when you start to get folks to see similarities. So if someone's in polarization, you don't want to throw Black Lives Matter in their face because that's defensive to them. You want to throw similarities. Hey, how are we alike? You know, because, I mean, the majority of human beings are alike when you come down to it. We believe in the same things, right? Most of us believe in families, Mm -hmm. you know, being happy, right? The main essential ingredients of human beings. We all have this a lot of similarities. So you focus on that. You move into minimization. That's unfortunately where people stop growing. So that's 65% of people are in minimization. That is the, I don't see. It can't be that bad. No, it's a safe space for them Mm -hmm. because you're focused on equality. You're focused on humanity. You're focused on, well, I don't see color. Um, I I don't care if you're black, blue, green, brown, red, or yellow. I'm going to treat you how I want to be treated, right? right? That's that idea of I treat everyone the same. doesn't matter where they come from. Unfortunately, they're masking differences, So they're completely ignoring that we don't come to the table equal, that we are not equal. We all have very different identities, right? And the thing to note with minimization is those folks, they have really good hearts. They have really good intent. They Good white people. Right, good white people. They believe in equality. That sounds good, right? That's why they stay there. They're like, wait, I thought I'm supposed to believe in equality. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, they're the ones who really ignore systemic oppression. They ignore inequity, right? The fact that we don't come to the table and they're the ones most likely to perpetrate microaggressions. They're the most likely to say something to offend someone because, well, it wouldn't offend me if I asked, where are you from, Karee? No, where are you you really really from? from? Right? I hear a little accent. You have an accent too, ma'am. Do I? Yeah. From Iowa? I can hardly understand you. <laughs> so, so minimization, that is the problem with where we are in terms of social justice because it's the colorblind. We just had a black president. We don't have racism in the United States anymore, right? So right. those are and that's the majority of people. That's the majority of faculty, that's the majority of teachers, the majority of juries, right? They're saying I don't see color, but they're completely masking and minimizing someone's experiences and that they're different. So acceptance is the next orientation. And that's when you start going back to focus on differences. And this is where people are now able to understand that systemic racism and oppression exist. Mm -hmm. So now you can start talking about those conversations with them because they're able to be like, huh, okay, I, I didn't know that. And, you know, people don't know what they don't know. And, and you meet them where they are, and you try to help them understand that. So when people move into acceptance, that's only 15% of people that are accepting. They appreciate cultural differences, both similarities and differences. They sort of really get it. So they can talk the talk about diversity, equity, inclusion, but they're not able to walk the walk. They're not actually doing anything. They're just sort of on the sidelines going, okay, I really believe in this, which is, which is important. And so 
those folks... Is it because walking the walk would require them to give up do power? Something. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And we can talk about that as mm-hmm. the University of Arkansas. I, there, yeah, I got some stuff to say <laughs> yeah. about that. But so acceptance is 15% of people. They appreciate both differences and similarities, but they need more experiences. So they have to do something. Action is, you know, speaks louder than words. And so once folks start doing that, that's how they move into adaptation, which is only 2% of people in our adaptation. And those are the change makers. Those are the warriors, social justice warriors, actually creating policies for change, addressing systems, giving up their their power and privilege in some ways to be active, um, you know, really upsetting people at the Thanksgiving dinner table, (laughs) right? They're doing something. Um, But the, the issue that I say, two things. One, those folks are tired, so Gosh, that's the biggest thing for so adaptation, draining. right? Like everyone else is just learning and talking about it. They're actually doing it. So all the load is on 2% of people. And then secondly, it's I always say cultural competency is not an event. It's not like you get there and you're like, boom, done. All right, yeah. sweet. I'm done. I don't have to learn anything else. I It's a journey, especially when it comes to uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, and all the different communities. It's always changing, right? Words are changing. Vocabulary is changing. We're learning about new communities that maybe we didn't talk about five years ago, like neurodiversity, right, is a community that we're starting to talk about and consider them. New narratives are entering the fold. Unheard voices, previously silenced voices. It's like, oh, my gosh. Exactly. So that's. That's why it's a journey. You have to continue learning and growing to, con- to stay culturally competent. You can hear that full conversation today in the latest episode of Undisciplined. And you can get Undisciplined wherever you get your podcasts. And... If you want to be part of an upcoming episode of Undisciplined, we're hosting four live podcast episodes throughout the KUAF listening area. Our first live event will be at Into View Art Gallery and Studios in Rogers, Tuesday evening from 5 to 7. You can find out more about those upcoming live events at KUAF.com. Undisciplined is produced by Matthew Moore. Assistant producer is Sean Shoemaker. It's a collaboration between KUAF and the University of Arkansas Department of African and African American Studies.